Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Clay Wilson. Well, the past couple of years has produced no shortage of focus on the topic of athlete welfare in New Zealand. And after significant investigations into high-performance environments in cycling, football and hockey, yet another sport is in the spotlight concerning the treatment of its elite performers. Gymnastics New Zealand has come under fire over the past week, with athletes, parents and coaches coming forward with allegations of emotional and physical abuse and a lack of action over complaints. The concerns are emerging as serious issues with the sport and its treatment of elite athletes continue to be exposed around the world. So just how bad is the problem in New Zealand, and are complaints being dealt with in a manner that will bring lasting change for gymnastics in this country? Earlier this week, former New Zealand Commonwealth Games gymnast Georgia Servan offered her thoughts to RNZ reporter Felicity Reid. The scale of these claims hasn't really been understood until the present, Now we're seeing that what's happening in gymnastics in New Zealand is consistent with what's happening in the rest of the world. We're no different. And we're seeing that these problems have been happening for a long time. I'd hope that now that we're aware of the extent of the problems, we might move to a more proactive approach in the future that includes ongoing monitoring of coaches, clubs and officials and stronger education around the issues that we've been hearing about. The culture within gymnastics has been around for a while. Why do you think this has gone on so long? My experience with my personal coach was really good and you know, we still keep in touch to this day. But on the other hand, part of this problem is that we can all have different experiences of the same people. And abuse or mistreatment is notoriously difficult to identify. For a lot of gymnasts, they don't recognise it until they leave the sport, if ever. And that's because it's just become such a normal part of the sport. We've seen this in how some within the New Zealand gymnastics community are reacting to these stories arguing that some of these things are part of the sport, they're what makes it tough and what makes it challenging. So I'd say that it's been going on this long because people haven't been willing to really question whether things like early sexualisation, weighing, yelling, are actually a necessary part of the sport, let alone what long-term effects they might be having or whether or not they're even achieving the performance outcomes that coaches intend. We've heard from Gymnastics New Zealand and CEOs of some of the gymnastics clubs that athletes have come out with claims against. The administrators are claiming ignorance. Do you think that they truly didn't know? I'd like to think that most truly didn't know. I think if we had better education around what constitutes abuse and what alternative kinds of coaching do achieve results, we might also have more people willing to speak out when they see unacceptable behaviours. It's not uncommon for parents to be banned from observing practice So I'd really like to see these kinds of restrictions go to ensure that there are people who are looking after gymnasts and coaches and officials can be held to account if they're not acting appropriately. And what do you think still needs to happen to clean up the gymnastics culture here and globally? While coaches should have better training in child development and learning, I'd actually like to see a shift away from the idea that women's gymnastics is a child sport. There's plenty of evidence that women can be extremely good gymnasts as adults and we know that adult gymnasts generally enjoy much more autonomy in their training and report positive coaching experiences. So raising the minimum age for women's gymnastics, which has notoriously young athletes, 
could be one way of encouraging this kind of um, global cultural shift. I'd also just like to add that across high-performance sports, many athletes have unsavory experiences because of pressure from those around them to win. So I'd like to push for a bigger response than gymnastics alone and start talking about a global monitoring system. It could operate internationally and nationally, and individuals, clubs and countries could face sanctions if they were found to cause a pattern of harm to athletes. So some interesting thoughts there from former elite Kiwi gymnast Georgia Servan. And joining me to discuss some of those thoughts and this issue in general are Roger Mortimer from the New Zealand Athletes Federation and journalists Felicity Reid and Zoe George, who have both been covering this story for RNZ and Stuff, respectively. Zoe, if I could come to you first, can I ask what led you to start looking into gymnastics in New Zealand and what have you been finding out as your investigation has developed? Well, a few weeks ago, I wrote an opinion piece about the Netflix documentary Athlete A, which documents the survivors of USAG's former doctor, Larry Nassar. I wrote quite a strong opinion piece, and then my emails started to blow up. There were all sorts of stories coming from gymnasts in New Zealand sharing with me their experiences. So I started to look further into it, uh, and this is how the investigation got underway. What we're finding is serious allegations of psychological and verbal abuse, uh, athletes being forced to train and compete on serious injuries. One athlete was so severely injured following the Commonwealth Games that doctors considered amputating her limb. We're also looking at weighing and fat shaming. There's also issues around food. So, you know, people not being, athletes not being encouraged to eat or eat very little, having their bags searched when they attend uh, world events, including the Commonwealth Games, having male athletes slip them a banana at training, you know, and there are lifelong implications now because of eating. Um, you know, we're talking to, we did a story earlier in the week with the lifelong implications and management, ongoing management of, of disordered eating, also lifelong management of injury. We have some athletes who are dealing with anxiety, for example, who are now reliant on painkillers because of the injuries they sustained during their time as athletes. We've also heard of allegations in regards to sexual misconduct or sexual inappropriateness by judges. That also includes one judge trying to put some block uh, on and then tackle an athlete while at the beach. Another one sent a former athlete a message saying, quote, are you wearing a bra under that green dress? I've spoken to both of those judges. They acknowledge that that behaviour was not right and they've apologised. Mm, definitely some serious allegations going on there. Felicity, I know you've been hearing similar stories, so what have been your major takeaways as you've worked on this story over the past week or so? As we're hearing from Zoe, that it is quite wide-ranging and that these are athletes, young and through to elite-level contestants, it's what I think was really stood out for me, though, is that these gymnasts that I've spoken to have actually taken their complaints directly to Gymnastics New Zealand as recently as 2018, and they say that they were ignored. It's These are gymnasts, parents, coaches, raising concerns about a coach from America who had been brought into the New Zealand program, and these people are alleging physical and mental abuse. And the athletes were so scared of this coach that they'd hide to avoid having to go to training. And at the time, this was the only way for anyone in the gymnastics community to raise any concerns was by contacting Gymnastics New Zealand. There was no independent process. And the people I spoke to say that they were penalised for speaking out. They were athletes at the top end vying for Olympic selection and Gymnastics New Zealand prevented them from competing for several months after they'd raised these concerns. I think it's important to note as well that the gymnasts say that their coach wasn't 
sanctioned, nothing happened to the coach, but these athletes were prevented from competing and this stopped, a, I guess, in a really important part of their career going into an Olympic year, these athletes were stopped because they had an opinion, because they had spoken out and because a lot of this is dealt with internally at that time by Gymnastics New Zealand and these gymnasts didn't have another way. They'd brought in a lawyer to try and reduce sanctions. They'd even reached out to High Performance Sport New Zealand who at that time didn't have any um, jurisdiction over them. So these, well, I think what really stuck out to me was that these people were doing the process the right way or what would be considered the right way and just weren't getting anywhere with it. Roger, I'll bring you in here and thanks for joining us for the first time on, on Extra Time. Um, these athlete welfare situations are becoming a bit of a trend now, like I mentioned, football, uh, hockey, cycling. What have you made of this particular case as you've read what's been coming out over the last week? Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Um, I think firstly, I'd just, you know, how, just like to recognise how wonderfully Georgia spoke. Um, there were some amazing messages in what she said. Um, she so, showed huge courage um, in what has obviously been a very difficult um, period for her. And I, I think, you know, it goes without saying, this is absolutely heartbreaking to hear that this has been happening. Um, forget about sport. You know, this is, we're talking about human beings. We're talking about children. Mm. Uh, we're talking about members of our community. So it's, you know, it's horrific mm. to listen to it. In, in terms of, I guess, where it goes from here, it's obviously got to follow a process. And it's essential that that process is followed. Um, in terms of the wider ranging areas of sport, uh, Stephen Cottrell wrote a very detailed, in-depth, accurate report that was released almost two years ago, I think, in November 2018. And I think he spoke very accurately of the issues and the problems, um, which focus on two areas, which actually Georgia covered off both of them. First one being environments and leadership, and I guess the intent of the people leading those environments. Um, sport is a human development activity. It's a holistic human development activity. It's about bringing out the best in people. It's about self-discovery and it's about enjoyment. And we've clearly lost all perspective mm. if these activities are happening, um, which is an indictment on the whole of New Zealand, really, not, not just these clubs. And it's something that we need to take a step back and look at. Um, the other one is structure. So Georgia talked about nowhere to go. Um, and Stephen Cottrell spoke very clearly about this, is there needs to be... Um, a place where athletes have a seat at the table. And Georgia was talking about autonomy and, and, and later years. Autonomy is incredibly important. So athlete, all people need to have autonomy, mm. um, and especially athletes, where they need to have a, have a say. And in the sports that operate um, professionally, there is a seat at the table for athletes. Um, currently in New Zealand, and as identified by Stephen, there's no current seat at the table for a large swathe of, um, of athletes. Mm. There's some really interesting stuff here in the, in the wider context, and I want to dive into that a bit more later. Just going back to gymnastics, they have announced that they're going to commission an independent review into the entire organisation. Zoe, do you think that was inevitable after everything that came out? Yeah, absolutely. We've been hearing from athletes, both present and former, coaches and parents saying that there needs to be transparency around this process. They're saying that many of them have taken complaints to their clubs and to Gymnastics New Zealand previously, and those complaints have been either mishandled or not taken seriously. They also are calling for more clarity around who receives their complaints and what the process is. Uh, I think the decision to bring... David Hellman and as an independent, uh, you know, looking at an independent review is very smart. Um, and it means that they are held accountable for ensuring 
that there is a process around this. Um, What's really also interesting to note as well, that a number of the athletes that have spoken up about the alleged abuse have decided not to name the people that abuse them, that their focus is on changing the culture more than anything else. Hmm. Talking about those complaints, and Felicity, you touched on that in your first uh, statement, Um, the process there appears to be a lack of trust around it from a lot of the people that yourself and Zoe and other journalists are speaking to. Do you think the way they're approaching this with an independent review and with the the ability to, to email in and, and be confidential, do you think there's going to be trust enough to, to make change? That is a bit of a tough one. I think a lot of people that I've spoken to were concerned about that and as much as Gymnastics New Zealand or Sport New Zealand come out to try and defend the independence of what they're doing now, I think there is still, because of the culture of gymnastics and the historical experiences, I think there are, a lot of people are still concerned and they're not sure what to expect from this. Yeah. Zoe, did you hear similar things in terms of the, the complaints around around people not, not trusting it and perhaps, I mean, do you think we get the people are going to come forward and, and be willing to speak based on, on what we've got in place now? Well, this is this is the ongoing concern and this is why I continue to push Tony Compier from Gymnastics New Zealand to give us more clarity around this. They, The gymnastics community, as we're finding, is very small in New Zealand. Everyone knows everyone and these allegations have absolutely rocked the sport and its community to the core. A number of these people have been around for a very long time as well uh, and so we, we get these calls they want to know who's going to be seeing their their allegations and their complaints. So we do need more transparency around this. It would be good uh, to have that transparency. I, David Hellman, I think being involved is a very, very good thing. I would like to say if you out there listening to this, if you have had any form of abuse, doesn't matter what it is, your voice is, is very important, it's powerful, your experiences are important, find a mechanism that works for you to speak up. That might be Gymnastics New Zealand, it might be Sport New Zealand, uh, you know, through the um, independence complaints mechanism, it might be a trusted coach, a friend, a parent, or even a trusted journalist. As we saw in the Larry Nassar case, it was actually the journalists at the Indianapolis Star who broke the story. We play a vital role in telling this story as well. Well, you mentioned um, Gymnastics New Zealand boss Tony Compier there. Before we move on and look at the wider context of that situation, let's hear a bit from him. Felicity caught up with him after they confirmed there would be an independent review of his organisation. Well, essentially we appreciate that um, recent revelations uh, don't just contain certain specific experiences of abuse, that um, amongst them there's a wider context, I guess, of the gymnastics culture. Um, and it's important to us that that element isn't lost in the forensic examination of individual cases. So that's why we've engaged David uh, Howman to sit independently from the organisation uh, and the investigations, um, but to provide an opportunity for David to engage in both of those things to um, conduct a wider review into gymnastics. Has this come about due to the revelations that have come out in the last, say, week? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I would say it's come in, in response to us looking at those revelations and suggesting there are two elements to them. One are specific cases that require uh, a view, uh, a forensic view of those cases to determine what occurred and whether or not there's any redress or um, learnings out of that that we need to take. And I guess in doing that, we determined, well, there would be a wider context. And as such, um, we should ensure we cover that wider context. Um, we don't want to burden 
uh, individual um, examinations of each case forensically with that wider view, so we've decided to take that out and make that independent. Speaking with Sport New Zealand, Peter Miskimmon mentioned the need for an internal look into the Gymnastics New Zealand organisation as well as the claims of abuse. So your Gymnastics New Zealand are quite open to that? Oh, yes. Look, I could only refer you to the statement uh, that says that David will have full and unlimited access to uh, scope the sport and scope the organisation and we'll, we'll cooperate fully with that and willingly. So that's Gymnastic New Zealand boss Tony Compier there. It's also worth noting here that we did ask Tony to come on and be part of today's panel, but he told us he wasn't able to join us. Looking now into the, the wider context of this situation in terms of New Zealand and, and these stories that have been coming out about athlete welfare, um, Roger, Peter Miskimmon, the Sport New Zealand boss, who's actually announced his departure at the end of the year, he's spoken about this and said the win-at-all-cost mentality in this country um, there's, that appears to be changing and it's time to strike a, a better balance. Is this story just simply further evidence that the balance has swung more towards the athlete than perhaps it was 10 to 15 years ago even? Um, uh, yeah, I think if, again, if I can, can go back to the Stephen Cottrell report, uh, I have seen no action taken on that report in what is now nearly two years. So Stephen spoke a lot to the culture of environments, to leadership within those environments, to not having uh, a culture based on a binary performance outcome, which is, uh, you know, you, you either win or you lose, you're good or you're bad. Um, so I'm yet to see fundamental structural change um, from a cultural perspective and also from a um, uh, from a structure and perspective from an athlete's perspective in terms of athletes um, having a seat at the table. And I really would like to go back to George's comments and how she talked about, you know, wanting autonomy and wanting, you could sense that she wanted sport to be a positive experience, yeah. as it should be. So just touching on your comments in terms of action there, these independent inquiries are obviously important to find out what's going on. But what can sports learn from them and what should they be learning from and what should we be actually seeing? Well, the key messages, I think, are very clear. And, I, you know, sorry to go back to it, it's repetitive, but it is, it's around culture and leadership is one. And it's around structure. So um, culture and leadership is around the intent of your organisation. It's the same as a family or a group of friends or a local sports club. It doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's you know, there has to be a safe environment. And what is the intent of the leadership around that? Um, when I first started in this business, government funding in sport was $3 million a year. It is now $150 million a year. Mm. So there's been an explosion of investment in a whole lot of different areas. And I think all we're doing is just mudding the water for athletes like Georgia to actually have a positive, inspiring experience in sport. So I think really the source of it, we actually need to take a step back and look at the place of sport in New Zealand, how sport is funded, there are some really fundamental issues that have not been addressed. Um, and Stephen's report raised them. It didn't come up with the solutions. Um, but no action, from what I can see, has been taken. In terms of the responsibility for that action, some of these organisations who look at something like gymnastics, it's a pretty small organisation. doesn't have a, a lot of people power to, to drive these kind of things or perhaps even be aware of them. Not saying that they shouldn't be. These things should be in place. But where does the responsibility lie? Does it come from come from above down to these, these national sporting organisations or does some of the responsibility also lie within the organisations themselves? Oh, it completely lies within the organisation themselves in terms of leadership is free. It's, it's an intent. You know, leadership doesn't cost money. There's a board, there's a, there are leaders within the programmes um, and in many ways we're all complicit. Mm. You know, like we, we, uh, it's, uh, it's a whole environmental thing for me from a societal perspective. And I guess you go back into the school space and the commodification of the school space and 
the performance drift we have into schools with the, the explosion of academies and we're all complicit and I can't remember what the exact saying but um, evil um, transpires when good people sit back and do nothing. So we are all complicit in this, in my opinion. Having said that, there's no question that the emphasis rests um, primarily at the people leading these organisations and leadership is free. I know Georgia told you, Felicity, that she felt a lot of this kind of abuse, the physical and the, the verbal and emotional abuse was so ingrained that perhaps some of these athletes might not have even known or even know now that it was happening to them. Yeah, I think she says a lot of that realisation comes once you leave the sport because it is so ingrained. You see it happening week in, week out around yourself and fellow athletes that you don't necessarily recognise it for what it is once you've come out of the sport and have some clarity. And I think that's why she says as well that it's quite important that former athletes join current athletes in an athlete advisory panel. Gymnastics New Zealand has said that they'll put together a panel athlete-led to advise them on safety and wellbeing for the athletes. Georgia is a little critical of this, but she also says that it's quite important that there are lots of voices on that because she realises herself, and I guess she can see from the stories coming out now, that a lot of these people are removed from the sport now and either they feel safer to raise their voice or they feel like looking back on their own careers, they can see that some of the things that happened to them weren't necessarily right. Can I just add as well that it's because there is a normalised culture around this. And it's not just in New Zealand, it is worldwide as we're seeing. So following on from the NASA stuff, we've now had in the last four weeks the UK gymnasts speak about their experiences and now there's an independent investigation into that as well. Uh, We've had, goodness, I think Switzerland, Australia over there as well. Uh, Gymnastics Australia have now engaged with the Human Rights Commission and I actually spoke to the Human Rights Commission earlier this week to see here in New Zealand to see if they would be involved. So there's a normalised culture. They think this is normal, that it's okay to be weighed every day in front of everyone else. It's okay not to talk up about um, your severe injuries or or wanting to push through because that's what's expected of you. They think it's okay not to eat or to be skinny or to starve yourself. It is a normalised culture. How difficult are those kind of things to change, Roger? Is that something you're hearing across sports? So I think a key issue of what we've just spoken about is advisory, uh, athlete advisory groups don't work um, traditionally and they don't work because they don't have the teeth and they get beaten down and thanks a lot for your input. But So leadership groups are, uh, is a different concept and absolutely you can have athlete leadership groups. But the big missing piece, um, again, which is what Stephen raised, is this access to independent collective representation. So independent means completely independent. And one of the big issues we have in sports in New Zealand, or with national sports, sorry, it's not just in New Zealand, is it's a monopoly. So if you play for the women's hockey team and it's not a culture for you, you have no other team to play for. So in a workplace, if this is not the culture I'd like, you can obviously have other options that you can move to. And again, this is an aspect that we have sort of ignored, is that it's a a complete monopoly situation. So if you want to represent New Zealand in gymnastics, there's only one place to go. So what, are you going to speak up against your selection? You've spent 10 years training for this one moment. You've been completely institutionalised. Your whole sense of identity is wrapped around some arbitrary muscle memory activity that you think is the greatest thing in the world. It's horrendous. Um, Michael Phelps has obviously spoken very uh, accurately with this, with the Weight of Gold documentary that's just been released in the United States. So whilst it is is heartbreaking to, to hear the solution... One of the solutions is, um, alongside the environmental leadership one, is is structure, which is independent 
collective representation. So these athletes could go to someone where they're safe, they can speak their minds, and then they can take appropriate action from there. Zoe, do you th- just just final thoughts moving forward? Do you see that happening? I mean, what what do you are you hearing that the athletes want to happen, and and, and what do you? Th- I guess what's your take on what how, how things need to advance from here? Yeah, independence is really important, um, and uh, they want culture change more than anything else. Uh, what I am hearing, though, from a lot, well, actually from everyone that I talk to in gymnastics, is they love the sport. Many of them have had positive experiences and want the next generation to have positive experiences too. But many who have spoken to me about the alleged abuse, they don't want the next lot to go through what they went through. So there needs to be some form of cultural change, and it needs to come from the top. Well, we will leave it there. I do want to thank you all for your time. Roger, thanks for you for coming in and being on Extra Time. And thanks to you, Felicity and Zoe, for your thoughts as well. Appreciate coming on and sharing your your thoughts and your perspectives. And, of course, thanks to everyone out there who's listened in. We'll catch you again next week. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.